All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 222. Jason Lingren is with me and back from episode 113, which last time this, this gentleman was on, uh, Alphonse Fagiolo. We were covering law. We're going to do it again, but we're going to get a little more specific about the Constitution, which has become a popular topic lately. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. How's it? Quite outstanding. How about you? Oh, we got beautiful weather. Uh, I don't think we're getting much of a spring, but it is starting to warm up. We had weird weather running all the way in. We even had a snow not too long ago, believe it or not. But if we don't have anything, let's maximize our time here. Absolutely. Let's get on with Alphonse. All right. Welcome, Alphonse. Hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome back. You were here on episode 113, which was a heck of a long time ago, over 100 episodes ago. And at the time, we were doing a law series, and there was so much kind of commotion from everyone's point of view. But the way that I gauge this is if it works, it works. And I don't try to judge beyond that. If I see something is effective, for me, that's the be-all and the end-all. So maybe we should lay some basics again here. You think that's a good idea to refresh people's minds on what's actually going at the county, state level, uh, their local cities, sure. that kind of thing? Absolutely. No, I mean, it, you got to have the basics down and people don't. And it, it's sort of like trying to play a game without knowing the rules. And if you don't know the rules, you've lost before you even step foot in court. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I can take it from the top here, basically, where there's some tools I want people to get, and, and they're, they're free tools that people could find online, and these are things you need to have, because you need to know the rules of the game you're playing, and, and like I said, no one does. The first thing I'd like people to do is get their county or city charter, probably get it in a PDF format, but basically, that's the law of the county, and that's the law of, of the city. That's what they follow. So that, that includes most of the time boroughs, townships, and all the little weird kind of municipality names, right, that are within yeah. within the official, uh, it, well, I don't want to say that, I guess we'll just call it a county because we're not talking about incorporated areas necessarily, right, are we? No, think of it this way. The county is the crime boss, okay? They're the crime family. And all the little townships and county, uh, all the little townships and towns and boroughs that fall under there, they're the enforcers for the county. But they're still they're, they're bound to the county's charter. So there's there's a county or city charter that they have that they're bound to. And now the great thing about the charter is you'll find a powers act in there, a clause in there, a section. And it'll it'll state that the, the laws of the state, the state constitution and the federal constitution supersede the county charter, which is very important to know, because, you know, you're looking at a, a county here. The Constitution supersede their charter, yet they're reaching into the Constitution and superseding your rights. So it's important you have that. So you want to get that so, county charter and read through it. Are you saying it's kind of backwards right now that the county is acting like they have preeminence, but in fact they don't? Is that what you're pointing out? Exactly. They're they're assuming they have, and we're going to get into how, they, how they're doing this. They're assuming they have jurisdiction over you. Everything's jurisdiction. Just think of it that way. Everything starts from jurisdiction. Unless somebody has jurisdiction over you, they can't do anything to you. So they're assuming they have jurisdiction over you, and there's different ways they're doing this, and, and we can get into that. All right. So let's let's actually, I'm going to back up one bullet point. Most people know this, but I'm just going to read it verbatim, verbatim, just so people remember. All local governments, counties, boroughs, townships, et cetera, 
are municipal corporations masquerading as governments. You can verify this by looking up their Dunn and Bradstreet numbers. Uh, there's actually a, a website, if I'm not mistaken, unless it's changed, it's called Dunn and Bradstreet. I've said this wrong so many times. I always try to say Broadstreet. It's B-R-A-D, Brad, like the name, like Brad Pitt, Bradstreet. Um, you can look it up and you can look up numbers to confirm this. This is all very old information, but what we're trying to do here is get back to basics because it's critical. People should have had what we're going to cover in school to be blunt about it, but all right, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. Are we just going to verbatim run the bullet points as you laid them down? Sure. And I mean, let me, I'll walk through a couple other things I, I want people to get, get your state constitution. It's online. I mean, take a look at it, read through it. The main, I mean, usually Article One is where everything, the main rights are included. Make sure you get that and read that, because uh, these are the basics people don't know. You also want to get the state rules of civil procedure. These are how court proceedings are supposed to happen, what things have to be done in, in court proceedings. Download the state rules of civil procedure. Every state has their own rules of civil procedure. Download the rules of evidence. There's Every state has rules of evidence. Very important because you're going to use these rules, their own rules. You're going to bang them over the head with these rules because these are their rules and they have to follow them. But if you don't know these rules and you get in a court proceeding, the attorney's going to run over you. The judge is going to run over you and you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to know that you have these these rules that you could throw at them. So it's very important you get the, the rules, of, the rules of evidence also. And also every region has its own federal district court. So what you want to do is find which federal district court, you know, handles your region. Go on their site. A lot of them are good. I mean, everyone's a little different. Every federal district court site's a little different. Some are real good with providing the uh, pro se information for, for people on how to file Title 42, Section 1983 lawsuits. They're guides. They're like 25, 30 page guides. They're phenomenal. Get them. Read them. That's where you assert your rights. You're not going to get your assert your rights in these state courts. Every now and then you get a good judge who will do the right thing. But all in all, you're just a pawn and they're going to they're going to run over you. When you bring them into federal district court, the whole game changes. So download that guide and learn it. And there's listen, there's another guy whose book I'd like you to get. And I don't get a penny for this, but it's a phenomenal book. Mark Stevens book, Government Indicted. Get that book. Read it. It teaches you the Socratic method on how to, how to talk to people, how to question people. It teaches you how to deal with these bureaucrats, you know, what to say, how to say it. It's one of the best books out there. If, you're, if you want to be involved in this stuff and protect your rights, get that book. It's a great read. Learn that stuff. That's your go-to book. That's pretty much the tools I want you to get. You need to have that stuff before you ever walk into court. All right. You still have an account at Crow 777 Radio, right, Alphonse? Yes. Okay, so you will be in comments when this goes live, 222. Okay. Okay, so let me just draw a picture real quick here so people understand. Basically, if I've understood, you're saying don't get involved at the little county level, don't get involved at the state level. You've got to get up to the federal level to seek remedy. So let's just paint a picture. Each county has like a charter or a constitution of some kind, and then above that is the state, and then above that is the constitution we all know, the, the federal. So it's in that order, right? The way I just described it is from least to most powerful. Is that correct? Exactly. And there's something called the supremacy clause, and basically all that states is that 
the federal constitution trumps the state constitutions. So yeah, it goes county charter, state constitution, federal constitution. On recent episodes, I've been talking about the constitution. A lot of people have snide things to say, but from my point of view, we can only work with the tools we have at this point, and we have that tool. Do you agree with what I've been asserting? I think you do, but I think one of the reasons you contacted me is because what I said is not enough. You got to know more than just value your constitution at the federal level, right? Exactly. And, and the way this is probably going to start out for most people, you're going to get drug into the local municipal court or the local, local uh, state court. You're going to get drug in that proceeding, but and, and you're going to exhaust your remedies in there. You're going to basically what you're going to do is you're going to take these this administrative process they start against you and you're going to sort of flip it on its head a little bit because you're going to treat it like a judicial process by starting to file motions into their process and asserting rights and rules of evidence and rules of civil procedure into the thing. So you, you want to exhaust that, even though you're going to get steamrolled in that court, you want to make that record because that's going to be in the docket. That's going to be in the court record. And that's just ammunition for you when, when you bring them into federal district court. And the main thing you're going to bring them on in and under federal district court is a due process violation. And does, does everybody know what, what due process actually means, that what a minimum is of due process? Let's go through that. Yeah, let's lay it down. Due process means a notice and an opportunity to defend yourself. And it means that before an action's taken against you. And what these little municipalities do, these municipal courts is, They'll issue a judgment against you, you know, and then they want you to defend yourself. Well, that's not due process. You were never given proper notice. And you were never given a, an opportunity to defend yourself. But, but wait a minute. Can't you, so, so if that's a violation of the whatever you want to call the statutes, the rules that have been laid down, how come you can't deal with that at these lower levels just because they ignore it? Is that what you're saying? You, you can yes, point out, hey, this, yes, this is not due here, process. Yeah, here, here's what they're going to do, basically, is. When you, it's funny, here's what's going on and here's where, where people are getting confused. Like, where's my constitution when they walk into these local courts? If you look in the, uh, your state constitution, you're going to find language in there. If you look under the tax section, like in Pennsylvania, the actual term is subjects of taxation. Vague, it's ambiguous, okay? It just says subjects of taxation. So here's what's happening. Some unknown entity from the county, and the reason I say unknown because no one ever wants to step forward to take responsibility for the claim. So some unknown entity from the county makes a claim that you're one of their subjects of taxation. Okay. So basically, they're sort of like saying you're part of their administration, part of their company. So when they bring you in the courts, they're bringing you in under these statutes. These statutes are really written for municipal corporations, you know, business entities. And the reason you know they're written for business entities is because Right off the bat, they violate due process. Short example, if, if you don't pay a sewer bill or a trash bill, the local authority, the sewer authority or the trash authority, they'll go to the, the court of common pleas, your local court, whatever your local court is, and they're going to file a lien against you. Okay, You're not even going to know what's happening yet. And the Office of Judicial Support, which are the administrators in the court, they're going to issue a judgment against you. And you're going to get a letter in the mail. It's going to state, Hey, there's this lien filed against your property. Well, guess what? There, we, there's major problems with that. That's an administrative process they pushed you into. First of all, that court hasn't established that they have jurisdiction over you. Courts need both personal and subject matter jurisdiction before they can do anything with any matter. Well, they've never established that personal jurisdiction and subject matter jurisdiction. 
Personal jurisdiction is when someone has you serve the summons. Okay, that's why you get served. That's why they bring a, a summons to you with a copy of the complaint. The court then has personal jurisdiction over you. Okay, at, at that point, but they don't have subject matter jurisdiction yet. They don't. They don't have the authority to hear the case yet. So that was never established with this little lien proceeding you just seen. So you go after them on, on lack of personal jurisdiction, lack of subject matter jurisdiction, and a host of other things. And like I said, they're going to steamroll you. They're probably going to ignore it because that's what they do. But that's fine. All you're doing is you want your paperwork in that docket, your motions that you're challenging and stuff. Because what you're doing is you're asserting your constitutional rights and you're showing these people are violating your rights. Basically, you did what you were supposed to do. You asserted your rights. And this judge and these, this attorney who are sort of in cahoots with each other, they're violating your rights. And that's that's your, your red meat when you go up to the federal district court. You go, hey, look at this process. The court never established personal jurisdiction. They never established subject matter jurisdiction. And they issued a judgment against me. That's a color of law action. Basically, think of color of law as any action that these counties are doing that violates your rights. Well, the due so, process was violated, too, because as you pointed out, they, they issue a judgment. So you're guilty that, before you're even asked to defend yourself. But I got to ask, when you start to get up above where you're being steamrolled here at the lower levels in the state, is there any repercussions for these entities that violate just something as simple as due process? I mean, if you go above and you bring make due process your issue, um, which is probably the least of the issues you've pointed out here, I'm just asking, is there any repercussions for the, the local entity, the local corporation that violated the due process? Here's the beauty of the federal district court. It's funny. States and the, the federal government, they have immunity. You can't bring them under Title 42, Section 1983. But guess who doesn't have immunity on Title 42, Section 1983? Municipal corporations do not have immunity. So when you bring a municipal corporation in, you can sue them for compensatory damages, which means actual damages you've suffered. Okay. And here's the beauty of the federal district court system. You can bring the individual from the municipal corporation that's doing this to you, the, the attorney, the, uh, the, the, the property assessor, whoever. You file against them in their individual capacity. And when you file against them in their individual capacity, then you could file against them for compensatory damages, and more importantly, punitive damages. And punitive damages, sky's the limit. Whatever you set it at, sky's the limit. And the hope is when you do this, when that pleading, if it's written right, uh, and it's structured right, and that, that they get served that pleading, that local official who took these actions against you, they're not going to be able to answer your complaint. They, they can't step in there and just state that, well, I determined that Crow is the subject of taxation. What evidence do you have of that? You know, you have no evidence of that. That's a purely ambiguous decision that somebody made in order to gain revenue for the municipal corporation. Let me back up one step. What if the individual just wants to establish that don't mess with me? Um, they could have focused on the municipal corporation and not the individuals, the, 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 the human beings in the corporation, right? That's an option. In yes. other words, okay, because yeah. I want to make that clear because I don't want it to. One thing that bothers me is you hear all this stuff about liens and stuff where people get mad and they go after individuals. And I don't think most people realize what that does to a life. 
And uh, what we're talking about is a system that people were trained into. Matter of fact, many of them may not know <laughs> the things we're laying down here. So I think it's important to get these ideas in. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't care who they are. But I want to place them in an untenable position. I want them to look at that pleading and go. I want them to see that pleading and I want them that the lawyer go. Let's make this go away. And you want to get that phone call and say, what do we have to do to make this go away? Because do you really think that local official wants to go in and risk losing five hundred thousand, a million dollars, whatever you laid on their head? No. The reason you're filing against them individually is. You want to put pressure on them to back off you, make this go away. Would that be the same for the municipal corporation? Could you do the same thing and not take one of the individuals in the corporation and just aim at the, the municipal corporation as a whole? Could that be done? Yeah, you, you can, I think, but you're, you're losing, you're seeding some power because right? I think the power is you're going to sue both. You're going to go, you're going to sue the municipal corporation and you're going to sue the individuals that are working for the municipal corporation. And you want to do that because, like I said, that's the that's your leverage. Basically, well, you're saying, "Hey, listen, we don't have to do this. Go away. If you if you want to push this, here's what you're risking. Because listen, crow, these people threaten your home. Right. You know, you I, read, I, the, read the bills you get. I'm you know, with the tax you. Bills you get. Well, I got to ask you another logical question. Then these things have been shown to work from time to time, but it must not be very often or these municipal corporations and the men and women in the municipal corporations would be aware that they're basically opening themselves up for big trouble from picking on you in the way. So I'm guessing this has not been pulled off successfully that many times, or am I wrong? I don't think that it's not been pulled off successfully. I don't think anybody knows what they're doing. Listen, mm. the people that have done this have been very successful with it. When you go up to the federal level, there's a couple things I notice. First of all, at the federal level, it's openly, they're calling your local government a municipal corporation for the statutes to work, right? That's openly yes. being done. Look at it this way. You'd be stunned when you talk to these people and you question these people, how little they actually know. They're, most of these people are button pushers. They, they get these positions, whether they're elected positions or assigned positions, and they're told, here's what we do. We do this process. We do that. And they're, they're button pushers. When you start questioning them, they crumble. I thought, like like you said, I can't be the only one doing this. You know, there's no way I could be the only one doing this. And then when I start asking them questions, like when I have the head property assessor for my county, who I question in front of the records coordinator, when I back him into a corner and two or three questions and he calls for his lawyer, he can't answer any more questions. I go, oh my God, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know, so you would assume that. And then when you look around the madness going on right now with everybody wearing masks, nobody's thinking, Crow. Nobody, nobody knows who they are and, right. and nobody's, they're all in this box and, and they're, they do what they're told to do. So it's not that it's not been successful. It's that I think it's overwhelming for most people because we're taught from early on that when you have any kind of legal trouble, you run and get an attorney. And that's the first thing people do. And another mistake people do is they file in these local courts. And like I said, these, these municipal corporations are going to steamroll in, in these local courts. They don't even understand that, that really their rights lie in the federal district court. I really think the federal district courts were set up to protect your constitutional rights. I mean, you read when you read Title 42, Section 1983, it, it just sticks it right out there, right, right in their face. And I see if I could find it here. I mean, it, it spells it out. 
Yeah, it seems to me like if any reasonable number of people went through this process, which has been proven to work, it might change the way that these local governments are pushing people around. I mean, all, all the whole time you're talking about this, I'm thinking about all the foreclosures that went on uh, in San Diego, where I was at the time, I don't know, it was around 2008. It was unreal how many homeless people were made in a year or two. Every off-ramp in San Diego at the time had homeless people. Many of them had signs that were saying, basically, my house was taken. So that's why the things we're talking about matter here. But did you find it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll read it to you. I mean, it, it, this tells you right there. Title 42, Section 1983, Civil Action for Deprivation of Rights. Every person who under the color of any statute, ordinance, regulation, custom, or usage of any state or territory or the District of Columbia subjects or causes to be subjected any citizen of the United States or other person within the jurisdiction thereof to the deprivation of any rights privileges or immunities secured by the constitution and laws shall be liable to the party injured in an action at law, a suit in equity or other proper proceeding for redress. Well, I was going to ask another question. So if you follow this process and you go up to the federal district court, if I got that right, even if that's settled, if it never goes all the way, that's all public record, right? It's not sealed. So there should be records of successes, right? No, here's what generally happens is, uh, you know, 90% of the cases filed in federal district court never go to trial, basically because the other party who got filed against, they look at it and they go, I really can't answer this. We're going to lose this. Make this go away. Is that not public record? Well, when you come to a settlement, a lot of times they make things go away. You know, Mm. it's, it's. Oh, I see. So part of the agreement is this is hush hush. Yep. I see. That's so exactly I, now, now you're starting to see the system protecting itself. So yes. you really don't have a way to gauge if there's any reasonable number. But I, I would assert again that if a reasonable number of people use these rights, which are basically rights, it's what they are. They're written, they're statutes, they're constitutions, there's charters, all these things um, are showing that you should protect these rights or you're going to get steamrolled. But maybe we should read the bullet point that starts Here's where people are getting basically rolled over. Um, Jason, you want to lay that down just to reassert what we laid down so people can keep it in their mind? Here's where people are getting screwed over with the courts, and here's how they're doing it. The county makes a legal determination that you are one of their subjects of taxation because they claim that you live in their county. If you look in your state constitution in the tax section, they will mention subjects of taxation. The county is using that language and illegally imposing it on the people by claiming that you and your property are subjects of taxation, hence why your property is taxed and why you are being denied your constitutional rights in their courts, and here's how they are doing that. Okay, so that's kind of what we just covered, and it's kind of amazing to me. Like, if if all this stuff works in this way and it's provably been effective, how come nobody's gone all the way? to make it permanent so that these local municipal corporations can't continue to do this to people. Um, like after the housing thing I mentioned, um, that's, that's beyond, that is the violation of so many human beings' rights all at once that it's astonishing. And I'm just wondering, how come no one's gone at this to try to permanently lock this down so that it doesn't continue to go on and on and on? Well, I mean, I've heard it described, 
people that have been like that guy Steve Emerson I told you about he's been very successful with this stuff people need to worry about their worry about your own stuff you know take care of you and, and you're not going to it's like you're not going to beat the machine you, you just are not going to bring the machine down in, in, in one full swoop it's not going to happen you have to do it you know city by city county by county you have to do it yourself and just like you were just mentioning with foreclosures one of the other things I'd like to address is uh, here's another way that they're they're uh, they're confusing people the only way evidence gets into listen the only way courts can make decisions are based on the law and the facts and evidence the only way a fact can get in evidence is through a witness not through an attorney that's speaking for a fiction a witness has to come in the court and, and and testify that's the only way a fact can get into the court record so i guarantee a lot of these foreclosures you're talking about there was never probably never any witness in that case so to me they're actually a lot of them are void judgments in other words they can you can, they can people can go back and challenge those judgments on those foreclosures because it's fraud because there were no facts in the court record to make a decision man it goes on and on all right so do you want to just keep rolling through the bullets what's next alphonse Hold on for a second. Jason, I've been kind of Bogart in this joint, my friend. You want to get in here before we roll? Well, I like the direction we're going here. There are some things I want to address, but one of the things that really jumped out at me, the whole due process thing, and does anyone notice how many stupid cop shows there are these days and has been for quite a few years? Right. Yeah. I think that they use that to kind of convince people that the system works the way they're portraying it on TV so that they just think they're going to get bowled over. Like, no, there's no way I could possibly win. That The cops always win because they know what's going on. And I would think that most people, well, maybe that's not fair to say, but a lot of people get their idea of how the system works from these stupid shows. Do you think that's fair? I think most people, I think you had it right the first time. And I think it's not just what we're talking about. It's all aspects. That's what the programming of, of entertainment does. Think of think of the show Cops that started God, decades ago, probably by now. I don't even remember. Was it an 80s thing? I just don't recall. It's been around for a long time. And I've, you know, I used to work in law enforcement at one point in my life. And you can see people's rights being violated regularly under the color of law. Um, and you know, you can add in if you want, Alphonse, but to me, that's the normalization of things that should not be normal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's exactly what, how many cop shows are on TV right now? Everything's a cop show, right? You know, uh, and the cops are always the good guys, aren't they? They're always portrayed as the great, you know, the, the whites and the white knight in shining armor, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's conditioning. But what I want to try and do is give people just a few little tools that are powerful tools you could use not only in court, but other things. Now, yeah. let's talk about rule 602. That's a federal code. And it's also most state uh, court, I mean, most state codes mirror it. You'll, you'll find a rule 602 in the rules of evidence in, in your state code. And it's a beautiful rule. It states the need for personal knowledge. A witness may testify to a matter only if evidence is introduced sufficient to support a finding that the witness has personal knowledge of the matter. Evidence to prove personal knowledge may consist of the witness's own testimony. And what that states is that the attorney who filed this against you, he doesn't have personal knowledge of the matter. The municipal corporation can't have personal knowledge because it's, it's a fiction of law. Who's got personal knowledge of these charges they're bringing against you that they're filing? There's nobody there. There's nobody on the other side. There's nobody that, that could fit rule 602. And that's one of the things you'll go after them on is when they bring these proceedings against you, you file for a lack of personal jurisdiction 
because they never serve you properly like we were just discussing. You get a letter in the mail. That's not service of process. Unless you're properly served, the court doesn't have personal jurisdiction. And lack of subject matter jurisdiction. And another place where people get really confused and judges confuse people is just because a court can hear a lien proceeding or a foreclosure proceeding doesn't mean they can hear your particular proceeding. It, just because they can hear something, that's called venue. They're able to hear those kind of proceedings. Okay. But subject matter jurisdiction is tied to there's got to be facts and there's got to be standing for the other party to bring this action. And one of the great things I found in, in uh, uh, Pennsylvania court case, and I'm sure the other states have the same cases, a cause of action, if it's, if it's created through a statute, which they always are, these statutes, when you read these statutes, they create the cause of action for them to bring the action against you. And then they also define what the party's rights are. So think about that. A statute is really superseding the constitutions because it's telling you what your rights are. And this is what they're relying on in these statutes is, is the language of the statute. So you never cede any ground to these people. One of the first things you're going to ask too is, what evidence do you have that this law or statute applied to me? But what if you say that in that, you know, in that lowest court down at the, you know, community government, so-called government level, what if you say that in court, is that's what you're saying? They'll just steamroll right by that? You do. And I have done that. And, and what they do is, yeah, they, they look at you like you have two heads. But remember, the judge, the court can only make decisions based on the law and facts in the record. Just because someone cites a statute or a law doesn't mean it automatically applies to you. The party that cites that law or statute, it's their burden of proof to provide evidence on how that law or statute applies to you. And they got to provide a witness to support that evidence that will testify that that law or statute applied to you or else there's no facts in that record. Uh, so th this is what you bang them with. And even if they want to steamroll you, which they'll do, that's fine. You're creating your court record. And you could do one of two things. If you want to stay in their, their courts, you could file an appeal. And you're going to probably win the appeal because they're, they're, going, around, they're going against their own rules. So you could do that. But I look at it this way. That's, that's a cesspool down there. I'd rather get into federal district court right away. I just want to make a record, though. I want to make that court record. I want to do those filings into the docket that I did file uh, motion to dismiss for lack of personal jurisdiction, motion to dismiss for lack of subject matter jurisdiction, motion to dismiss for failure to state a cause of action. And basically, a real basic element of every case is you have to have a cause of action to bring somebody into court. Now, if you and I had a contract, bro, and I said I was going to paint your house and uh, I painted your house and you didn't pay me, uh, I would have a cause of action. In other words, you had a duty to pay me because. I offered to paint your house and you agreed and I painted your house. You breached the duty because you didn't pay me and you damaged me. So there's duty, breach, and damages, the three elements of a cause of action. Well, let's look at a municipal corporation. They don't have a cause of action. How can they prove you have a duty to pay their taxes or to pay their sewer fees or their, where, where did they get this authority to claim that you have a duty to pay them money? So there's no duty. So if there's no duty, they can't prove there's any breach. 
and you can't damage a municipal corporation. It's a fiction of law. This is why they bring you in under the statute, because they can't file a normal complaint against you, a normal claim. That's what these statutes are for. This opens up another thing. In so many places you hear that people were forced to go on city water when they had a well or city sewage. And so this is just versions of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Where do you want to go, Alphonse? What's what's next on the uh, docket? All right. Let's uh, yeah, let's start walking down the list here. And, and like I said, these and it's great that this stuff gets recorded because I wish I had this stuff to refer back to when I was doing this stuff and learning this stuff. If somebody's interacting with you, whether it's government or a local agency or a municipal authority, it involves one of three things. It's either uh, there's a contract dispute. Someone's claiming they have jurisdiction over you, or it's a tort, meaning that you violated somebody's right or you damaged somebody's property. It's one of those three things. So the first thing you want to do when something's filed against you is classify what, what is this about? What is this action about? And then start looking at the players. Who's who? Who filed this against me? It's an attorney that filed it against you. Okay. You go look at uh, Trinsley versus Pagliera. Uh, it's a famous Pennsylvania court case. It might take me a minute to find it here, but basically what Trinsley Pagliera states is that an attorney's pleadings uh, or arguments are insufficient for summary judgment and for a motion to dismiss. And basically what the holding of the case is saying that an attorney's pleadings don't cut it. He's got to have a witness to come in and testify to his pleadings. So the attorney can represent somebody and file for somebody but at a certain process, when you get in the court, somebody's got to come in the court and be a witness to his pleadings that what he wrote down is true, that what he's out alleging is true because the attorney can't do it. He doesn't have standing to make these charges against you. It's got to be the party that that's that's claiming you violated a right or you damaged them in some way. So very important to classify what the proceeding is. Who, who are these people? Question everything. Look at the party. Uh, and the first thing, never take anything on face value. Never accept that the statute or code apply to you. And here's one of the things people make mistakes in, too, is don't speak in the affirmative. Don't say that this statute doesn't apply to me or this code doesn't apply to me. That's because what you're doing is you're burden shifting. You're taking the burden of proof on you when you start making these affirmative actions. Don't do that. You always want to pose it in the form of a question. What evidence do you have that this statute applies to me? What evidence do you have that this code applies to me? Leave the burden of proof on them. Let that attorney try and explain how a written instrument, a document that some group of men that called themselves the legislature got together and created, how this document they wrote gives him some kind of magical powers over you to do things to you. He's never going to be able to clear that hurdle. He can't. It's impossible. And this is why they're always dying to get you an attorney. When you're in a proceeding, hey, we'll get you to we'll get you to free attorney because they don't want this stuff being used against them because an attorney won't do this to them. But you can raise these questions against them. So it's does, that, almost, does that make sense? Yeah, because what I'm starting to try to boil it down is that there are all these legal fictions in our world, but there are these other documents, laws, rules, whatever you want to call them at a higher level that have winnowed out. The idea of fiction having any power. So in these lower courts, basically you're dealing with legal fictions. The attorney is there to deal with legal fictions. And even the the famous court case you cited 
was showing that the attorney was not enough to even have a dismissal. So basically, there are rules that are our rights at an upper level that see through the idea of legal fiction being able to do all these things. Exactly. It's their, using their own rules, you can stop them. Or you can show if they want to, like you said, if they want to ignore them, which they do, that's fine. But you got it on record that you people are proceeding with no witnesses. I would just add, isn't it more likely that we've come to this kind of crossroads because the corporations kept pushing their will to the point where even the people working in these municipalities probably don't have a lot of idea of some of the things we've even covered here. And so what I derive from it is the human beings that wrote those laws above that will not allow legal fictions, that will enforce what I would call legitimate rights, they must have had a true concern for living men or women or the possibility that they could emerge. Well, down at the lower levels, what we've basically seen is what we're seeing in the world right now. Corporations are taking over everything and they do it because they own so much and they're so rich. So even the people working in these you know, local municipalities have been trained in a certain way that has prevented even them from knowing the things that you're laying down. Exactly. And isn't it ironic that the federal government and the state governments gave themselves immunity but they specifically did not give immunity to these municipal corporations. Goes to show that the proof's in the pudding, and that's some pretty potent punch right there. And do we have any suspicions of where things are going now with, well, I want to keep it light for uh, hour one, but does it seem like there's some sort of changes in the system coming? Do you see any likelihood of that that will, (laughs) of course, favor the corporations over the people? I've actually seen a smackdown of a lot of these governors and the uh, their attorneys, uh, even the, from the state Supreme Courts. There was a governor, uh, there was a, I think it was Wisconsin, the uh, state Supreme Court justice was questioning the uh, attorney for the governor. And she basically asked the question, where did an unelected official get authority to shut that, to put six million people out of business, you know, to, to, out, out of work? And the attorney, that this is the attorney for the governor, stated that, uh, it's in the statute. It's in that statute. Well, let's get this straight. The statutes are born under the Constitution. The statutes and codes don't supersede the Constitution. They're under the Constitution. So you have a state attorney for the governor, state, that a statute supersedes the state Constitution. And when you see that, your jaw should drop. Because I, I know we look at these people a lot of times and think that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're that they know so much and, and, but they, but they, a lot of these people don't, a lot of these people are dumb as dirt. And let, let's go over governors right now. Okay. Uh, all you hear is governors issuing orders. You got to wear a mask. You got to stay in your house. Governors cannot issue orders against people. Doesn't work like that. Governors can issue orders against uh, their employees, the agencies they control. But they can't issue orders against the people. That's not how orders work. The only party that can issue an order is a court. And the only way a court can issue an order is first they must establish that they have personal jurisdiction and subject matter jurisdiction. If they haven't established personal or subject matter jurisdiction, the court cannot issue an order. So if the court can't issue an order, how does a governor, a member of the executive branch, how does he get authority to issue orders? He doesn't. He doesn't have authority to issue orders. Doesn't this mean we're about to see 50-some governors um, get drug into court? And I got to ask the question that's logically behind that. 
why are the governors that should know what you're laying down doing this? Is it that they're so uninformed they don't know any better? Or is it the pressure above them? But I mean, come on. What we're pointing out here is that when people have become fed up enough, there's going to be a lot of governors that are going to have to face some music here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I think it's a systemic problem. It's just this is how we do things. You know, this is how it's done. Unreal. You know, and uh, no one ever, no one ever knows how to challenge it. You know, how do you go after a governor? You know, geez, if anyone ever, I mean, I, I've seen videos that I seen a woman with her child in a subway, and, and like get six cops tackle her because she didn't have a mask on. That's ridiculous. Uh, that that see, that's where you turn around and you sue each individual cop in federal district court. Now, this is something I brought up. Can you go after an individual like that, an individual police officer, whoever it happens to be? Can you go after them as an individual and sue the snot out of them for violating your civil liberties? Absolutely. And you can get compensatory damages, which are the actual damages that they caused, and punitive damages, which is whatever you want to lay on them. $500,000 for violating your rights? You lay $500,000 on them in your pleading. Let's be fair so we don't, I don't want this to come off as as direction to go sue people individually let's lay this down if you're in a job with authority and you're treating that human being in front of you as if it was your sister your mom your cousin or someone you knew in your life then none of this matters because this will never be an issue but when these people start basically violating your rights and that's what it's come down to there are actually provable methods which we're laying down here that could bring penalties heavy penalties. And I suspect we're going to start to see a lot of that. And I suspect you're going to see a hell of a lot of them settled out of court so that they can seal it in the agreement. Okay, you're right. We shouldn't have done this, but we'll settle if you don't talk about it. This won't be public record. These kinds of ideas. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, if you go to your state constitution and, and every state constitution has sort of a, a, a right that's based in mind state in Pennsylvania, it's inherent rights of mankind. And I'll just read it to you real quick. All men are born equally free and independent and have certain inherent and indefeasible rights, among which are those of enjoying and defending life and liberty, of acquiring, possessing and protecting property and reputation and of pursuing their own happiness. Okay. now think about these cops that are doing this stuff and these governors, whatever. We just talked about municipal corporations. Where is it written that a municipal corporation has some kind of inherent authority or right over you or your property? Challenge them on that. Let them show how their municipal corporation has authority, has jurisdiction. Remember, everything's jurisdiction. Let them show how they have jurisdiction over you, the man, and jurisdiction over your property because it it doesn't exist anywhere. It's in their head. And just because they want to steamroll you like they did that lady with the kid, She's got a recourse, but I doubt she's going to get it if she stays in state court. She might if she gets an honest judge. But if she walks in into federal district court, and like Jason was saying, you sue each individual cop that laid a hand on her. All right. Because not only is that a violation of a due process, it's a violation of your constitutional rights. These are criminal acts. That's assault and battery. Yep. Yep. I, I don't care whether he's a cop, he's got a uniform, a fancy badge. I don't care. They put their hands on you. That's assault and battery. You can sue them for that. They don't have immunity. That should be enforced at the lowest level there is because everybody knows it's you can only apply the reasonable force necessary. And there's steps and even the basic security guards of our world are taught these things. 
Um, but this is this is how kind of screwed up a place we have arrived at in the timeline of human beings is that most of the police officers don't even know they're working for a corporation. Uh, and I've, <laughs> I have ways that I know that they actually think um, that somehow that's not even a possibility, but that does not, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter when it comes down to the rights of a human being. If you're in a power of authority and you're doing something like that to someone, how in the hell can you ever justify it? And how in the hell can that not be dealt with effectively at the municipal level? Why the hell does it need to go up to federal? I'm just saying, uh, if, yeah. you can't, if you can't go into a municipality and demonstrate that that is so far beyond acceptable, reasonable practice and violating the rights of a human being, then it's going to come to this where a lot of people are going to have to stand up and take back their rights in, the, in this or similar ways that we're laying down. But I would just say, this whole go sue people, man, that to me is as bad as violating someone's rights unless there is a definitive good reason. In other words, you've been beset, suffered loss, whatever it is. And so I'll say it again. If you're in a position of authority and you're listening to this podcast and you have to deal with people, see your mom, see your sister, see your brother and treat those people accordingly. Because what we're seeing now is a lot of people who were directed to do the wrong thing going out and doing the wrong thing. And it becomes this kind of synoptic, mindless exercise that we see going on. But the whole point of this whole episode is to point out, guess what? There's still things on the books. And at the highest level, it's things like the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. At these lower levels, we are going to demonstrate that there are remedies and people successfully do them. So do we have anything else that we want to cover before we begin to get ready to wrap up here? Alphonse? Uh, just a real quick. Uh, listen, when, when you're dealing with police, don't get in a debate. Don't try and get in a legal debate with a, with a cop. Okay. First of all, like Chris said, listen, they're not trained properly. They really don't know what they're doing, most of these cops. Uh, and really, the only way a cop should be interacting with you is in, in two matters. That's it. There's either got to be a warrant issued by a, a judge, signed by a judge, to pick you up. Or there's got to be probable cause. And people have, these cops don't even know what probable cause is. Probable cause is a crime. That, uh, I mean, it, it, when they issue a warrant, a warrant's got to be, uh, basically, it, it's it's supported by oath or affirmation by an affiant, which means a witness. Somebody goes to the, the, the judge and swears that, hey, this guy's committing a crime or is about to commit a crime, and the judge signs the warrant. That's probable cause. I've heard probable cause described as, Going through a red light, going through a stop sign. These are code violations. Okay, these are not these are not crimes. So don't get in a dispute with a cop. Just keep it in your head that if he's interacting with you, there's only two ways he should be interacting with you: either a warrant or probable cause. So if there's no warrant for you out there and you haven't broken any laws, keep your mouth shut. And if they keep pressing you, say, "Officer, if anything I say, can, can anything I say or do, can you use it against me?" Yes, officer, I. I, I I choose to remain silent. Don't talk to them. You got to realize a lot of the people you're dealing with, like Crow said, they're not trained properly. That goes from the cops to to people in the municipal corporations. I've had people tell me crazy things that when you start checking on them, ooh, they not quite what they thought. I did a records request and I met with the records coordinator for the county, and I asked, you know, hey, what, what guidelines are you following to do assessments on my property? And she said, we follow this assessment law and these USPAP guidelines. And all USPAP guidelines are is 
it's the appraisal organization, and there's a set of guidelines they, that they have to follow. So I started digging into that a little bit, and I, and I looked, and I found, wow, look at this, Title 49, Section 3951 and 52, specifically states an assessment must have an assessor's name on it, must be signed, and it must have a certification number. So then I went to the county and I said, hey, provide me these documents you're supposed to have. And they fought me on it. So I sent an appeal up to Harrisburg for the records request. They lost. They had to provide the documents, but they couldn't provide the documents. So they gave me an affidavit from the records coordinator that stated that we've given you everything we have. So what I found out is, geez, the county's sitting on these assessments that technically are fraud. There's nobody there with personal knowledge of how that data got on those assessments. These are not signed assessments. There's no certification number. So the people you're dealing with are not trained properly. They don't know law. So never assume when somebody tells you something that it's true. You always question it and you always do it in the form of a question. Someone makes a claim against you, put it back in their lap. What evidence do you have of that true, of that being true? And watch the responses you get from these people when they realize they don't know what they're doing. They're just doing what they were told. So right. that's just one of the I, little tidbits I want to get in. That That's an important point. And I think we should make it because we've come to a point where these directions come from what people perceive to be on high from the biggest corporation, from the richest corporation. Point out the fact that this is almost certainly on purpose from the top down. A police officer isn't going to be told that a lot of the crap that they do on a daily basis is actually out of their jurisdiction. Things like code violations versus breaking a law because they want them doing it. And most people are just going to go along with it. The way this tends to work that I've noticed in so many different areas of life is it gets to be, well, we did this for so long. This is just how we do it now. And that's exactly right. Because if you've had a person working in law enforcement, whatever, for 10 years and these directives on how they're supposed to be working for that corporation that they may not even recognize as a corporation. These are what you need to do. I'm your boss. I'm directing you to do this. And above him, there's a boss. You know, so this is part of the problem. And that's why you should always turn the table and consider the point of view, even if you're getting screwed over. And I know, you know, when people are getting screwed over, they're not really wanting to stop and consider the other side, but you should, because that's the problem from the other side. If they would have stood still and considered you as them, maybe some of these things wouldn't happen. But that does bring us to the top of the first hour for episode 222. When we come back, we're going to be in the free air of free speech, and we're going to be able to get a lot deeper into things. And that, on the face of it, is ridiculous. How is it that we should have any concern about talking to the legislated rights of living men and women in this country? But in fact, we've run a series of four where we took heat for simply covering things that are actually in law in this country. And we're going to start to get into the Constitution as well and make some points on how these remedies can be worked. And maybe if we have time, I'm hoping Alphonse will talk a little bit about the value of these tools we have, like the Constitution at the highest level, like the idea of the Bill of Rights. Alphonse, I'll see you on the other side. Join us all okay. for free speech over at Crow Triple Seven Radio dot com. C R R O W seven 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 radio dot com. That's the only true Crow site. There's a lot of fraud going on out there. Join us. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing. Come.